Welcome to Gay Men Going Deeper, a podcast series by the Gay Men's Brotherhood, where we talk about personal development, mental health, and sexuality. I am your host, Matt Lancedale. I'm an intuitive life and spiritual coach and counselor. I specialize in teaching people how to heal toxic shame and attachment trauma and embody their authentic self so they can enjoy more meaningful and authentic connections in their lives. My areas of expertise are working with highly sensitive people, empaths, and gay men to develop a stronger sense of self-worth. So today we are talking about creating authentic connection, and we are joined by Jamal Wesley. Welcome. Hello, hello. <laughs> Good to have you here. Good to have Great you here. Great to be here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to unpacking this topic with you. This is a topic that's very dear to my heart, and uh, it's what I inspire people to do, and it sounds like you're doing very, very similar work uh, to me. So I feel like we're going to be able to create something really beautiful here today. Awesome. Yeah, and I want to just formally introduce you to the audience uh, with your bio here. So Jamal is an entrepreneur that is developing a jewelry line called Ahari. Did I get that right? Correct. Ahari, okay. From a queer perspective, catering to the themes of inclusivity, self-expression, acceptance, and pride. He decided to further his creative passions after a cancer scare in September 2020. Before that, Jamal spent 15 years working in the insurance industry, prioritizing stability and comfort. Little did he know how loudly his heart would speak after his life-changing experience in 2020. Since the theme of jewelry line is rooted in self-expression and staying true to oneself, Jamal decided to share his own story of self-discovery with the world. Authentically Authentic is a story of transforming imposter syndrome, traditions, and societal pressures which empowered him in embracing his sexuality, forgiving others, and living unapologetically. In addition to the jewelry company, Jamal looks forward to relaunching his life coaching company, Living Enlivened, in the coming months. So, yeah, very aligned. (laughs) Uh, We do have a bit of a structure that we're going to follow today, but we're mostly going to riff. We wanted to answer uh, or try our best to answer these four questions. Uh, What does authentic connection mean to you? In what ways do you hold yourself back from belonging and connecting? What does it feel like for you when you have authentic connection? And what can people do to have more authentic connection in their lives? So your story is very intriguing and I want to know more about it. So this whole notion of authentically authentic and your book about helping people move through imposter syndrome. Do you want to share a little bit about, uh, about this with us? Sure. So, you know, as Matt said, I had a cancer scare um, and my life altered in during the whole COVID world and COVID dynamic. Um, And so I started this jewelry company and what I decided to do with the Harry is that I wanted to make it for the LGBTQIA plus community Mm -hmm. um, and have it be a company where, you know, as we're getting married and we're doing these things, one of the things that's important to me is that we begin to spend our money with people who actually love our love. Right. And so when I began to create this jewelry company, I was like, the the greatest expression of love is marriage. Mm -hmm. It's when two people would come and say, we want to join our lives together. So that's the spirit inside of which a Harry was born. And then um, my marketing strategist was like, Jamal, you need to write a book. And I was like, write a book for what, girl? I'm like, I could write a pamphlet (laughs) if I chose to write a book. But I, you know, I really didn't have it that I could. But when I sat down to write and I was thinking about what is pride, right? And pride is owning who we authentically are, not being ashamed of who we are, no matter how we identify inside of the LGBTQIA plus community. And identifying is us is somewhat of a choice, right? And some of it is born and whatever, whatever that is. We still get to choose and honor each other for what who we choose to be mm-hmm. identified as, right? <clears throat> and so this book, Authentically Authentic, began to just come out of me. And I began to look at my own journey and personal growth and development and over the years and how I grew into myself. Mm-hmm. So Authentically Authentic, the tagline of the book is called, It's a Journey, Not a Destination. One of the things that when people often refer to being authentic, one of the things that I find is that they find, they think that authenticity is throwing up how I feel in this moment about something. Mm-hmm. Like I'm being authentic with you. Mm-hmm. And that's truly not 
or it, it could be one definition of authenticity, but yeah. the authentic, the world of authenticity that I explore in this book is sitting aside all of your traumas. Who do you choose to be in this moment? Mm-hmm. And when you choose to be in this moment, that's authentically who you are. Mm-hmm. And we began to discover ourselves through my personal journey my personal stories, my, my own coming out stories. And the letter that I wrote to my mom is in this book when I just said, I've had enough. I'm going to be authentically me, mm-hmm. even at the effect of losing you. Like I will no longer try to hide who I am to suit you. I have to be me yeah. and how we gain power inside of that. And then, you know, how, when we live our authentic selves or as our authentic selves, how we make space for other people. So that's the exploration of this book is, and I just, I'm very vulnerable inside of this whole story. And I share, you know, like all kinds of stories from my own life. So Mm. that's the, the book and how it came to be. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, you said one thing that really stood out. You said choosing who we're going to be in this moment. And mm-hmm. and I view um authenticity as the, you know, like almost like the the bedrock of of authenticity is presence, right? In this moment. How am I showing up in this moment? And I think um I think presence really is the foundation of authentic connection. Like when we enter authentic connection, we are we have to be in the present moment. We have to be with each other and uh, it's, it's for me, authentic connection is less about, um, telling stories of who we are, right? It's about how, who I am, who am I in this moment? What is the presence? What is the energy of who I am in this moment? For me, that's the most authentic expression that I can share with somebody. I, I think it can still be authentic sharing stories because my stories are authentic. They're versions of me, maybe from the past or who I want to become in the future, but the most authentic aspect of who I am and how I, how I, how I enter a connection as an authentic person is let's, let's talk about this moment. Let's talk about how I feel in this moment when I'm with you. Um, so yeah, I want to, I want to uh, practice that today with you. I want to really truly practice like being, being in the present moment with each other and uh, allowing the the audience to really feel what that feels like. So, yeah, you know, Matt, I think it's really great because one of the, the things you just said in this moment and being present and our past, most of the time, it dictates who we are in this moment versus informs who we are in this moment. And that's a distinct conversation. Yeah, yeah. And so my past can inform because I'm not ignorant to it. Right. But it doesn't have to dictate who I am in this moment. Yeah. I still have choice in this moment. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that I heard you say. And that was, you know, when we began to discuss this whole conversation, I'm like, let's just dance because the world of authenticity is of original origin. Yeah. Right. And so so that means in this moment, what is meant to arise right now, right here. And so, you know, yeah, we could go through a script and we can do all of this stuff and practice and whatever, but that's no fun. Yeah, is when my heart connects to yours and yours connects to mine and we just explore inside of what's possible. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah, I think this is good. Um, There's also something you said, I can't remember what it, but it incited something in my mind around the definition, like the difference between fitting in and belonging and this whole notion of like, you know, when we are authentic, oh, that's what it was around how you with your mom, you don't want to sacrifice your authenticity for connection. And that's what fitting in is fitting in is I'm willing to sacrifice who I authentically am to move into connection. Whereas I see belonging is authenticity and connection get to coexist. So Mm -hmm. I get to be authentically who I am, and I get to come into connection with you. And that's the difference. And I think it's the, the, the difference for me is conformity, we're not willing to conform for connection. We're willing to say, you know what, here I am standing in it as a sovereign being, and I still get to move into connection with you. That's the beauty of authentic connection. Yeah. So, you know, this book, my book ends with a quote by E. Cumming, and I'm, I'm going to read it to you. And it's a short quote. Yeah. Um, it says to be nobody but yourself in a world which is doing its best night and day to make mm-hmm. you everybody else means to fight the hardest battle which any human being can fight and never stop fighting you know when we begin to look at social media 
right? Like when I scroll through social media, I'm like, oh my gosh, people take the pictures the same way. Somebody pouted their lips this way and they think that that's the way to do it, right? Mm -hmm. This world is fighting every day to make us everybody else. Yeah, But to be nobody but yourself is the hardest fight that we'll ever fight. Yeah. To, to be okay with not going with the grain of life and to say, no, I'm going to be authentically me, like I did with my mom in this story, yeah. right? Like I'm going against the grain. Yeah. I think I choose to be me. I can allow you to be you, <clears throat> but I have to honor me. Yeah. Well, and is that not what, what, where uh, imposter syndrome comes from? It comes from, okay, I want to get from destination A to B. And I'm looking at all the other people around me that have gone from A to B and I'm trying my best to be like them Mm -hmm. and to take the path that they took so I can sing like they sing or so I can speak like they speak or whatever it might be. But what if we just took our own path from A to B and we were just authentic in that? Would that impact how much imposter syndrome we have? Like how much of imposter syndrome comes from comparing our journey to another person who's already completed that journey? completed in air quotes because are we ever really complete on our journey right no yeah you know yes I like all of that right and the book it it does it navigates several different worlds of you know imposter syndrome right Mm -hmm. like the superhero the the perfectionist I suffer from that one and how you know like trying to be perfect leads to paralysis yeah. Right. And and like I tell even in the book, I say, even as I'm writing this book, I've read through this book 50 times before I'm willing to release it because yeah. that's my perfectionist part at play. Right. Yeah. Like it has to be perfect. And then a friend of mine was like, Jamal, just release it. Your heart will be heard in the words of your book. For real. Stop yeah. trying to make it perfect. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, and I talk about how community like a I'm going to use the word good because I can't find a different word right now, mm-hmm. but how a solid and, and good community of people who are not just yes people mm-hmm. are imperative to your life Yeah, because they will impart knowledge like that and say, Jamal, just release it. Matt, yeah. no, you're good enough as you are. Yeah. It's good enough. You know, your heart will be heard rather than, oh, no, I can't release it because it's not going to be perfect. Yeah. That's the remedy to it, to um, what you're, what we're talking about, in my opinion, like imposter syndrome, I'm going through it with singing right now. And I'm like, I'm standing up on stage performing, being like, who am I to be a singer? Like, this is so weird. And all these people that are really good at it and have been doing it for years are watching me. And what I've noticed is letting people in to support me and, and, you know, encourage me, that is actually what is the remedy to it. Because when I feel like I'm in my perfectionist mentality, I'm all on my own. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I'm paralyzed by that. So I'm curious for you, where did your perfectionism come from? Where do you think where do you think it comes from? You know, I one of the places, right, um, I starts early. It starts early. Like you would be surprised when you begin to discover and look over your life what you find. So when I was in pre-K, we had to learn this song. Um, Greatest Love of All by Whitney Houston for um, for graduation. And so my mom, with a belt in hand, if I messed up the words of the song, I would get a, 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 you know, a little lash. Right. And so from that moment, it was like, I have to be perfect. I have to get it right. If it's not right, then I could get in trouble. It's not safe not to be right. Or yeah, not yeah. to be perfect. Yeah. So from four years old, that's how I, that's the space I've lived from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's challenging for sure. Yeah, I, it can be. I, and I, and I say that because even in my, my perfectionistic ways or whatever, One of the things that I really got is that when you know that that's something you suffer from or deal with, then you have the power to do something about it. Mm. The, the access to altering life is to, you know, that, you know, even in AA and all those places, they say the first step is admitting you have a problem, right? Mm -hmm. 
Because the moment you can admit that you you suffer from something is the moment you can actually interrupt it and alter it. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, like my perfectionist, it, the, it, it's not a problem. Mm-hmm. It it has its place in life. And it's per, it, it can, you know, it can make things great. Yeah. And it's something, to, again, to be informed by it and not run by it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think perfectionism for me has, uh, it's been a major contributor to why I'm successful and being a high achiever. Um, So I am thankful for that. But it has eroded authentic connection for me in so many ways. And I think that is, you know, I I view it as like the paradox of uh, perfectionism is that when we put out perfectionism to the world, the world sees us as that. And then people feel insecure being vulnerable uh, and imperfect around us. So they present their most perfect self and it's reinforcing this negative feedback loop. So we think the world is perfect and then we're, we're right. So it's mirroring back to us as we are. Vulnerability has completely transformed my life because now when, when I'm practicing vulnerability and telling people how messy my life can be and how not how imperfect I I actually am, people are showing me their imperfections and being vulnerable with me. And then it gives me grace, it gives me space to bring forward my authentic self into connection. So I do think, you know, for me, like healing my perfectionism has been like happened simultaneously alongside me um, moving towards authentic connection right? They kind of go hand in hand. So it's been, it's been pretty beautiful just going through the tra- the transformation that I've been going through around this. So. Yeah, I totally agree. And here's, mm-hmm. here's where this has affected me, right? When I used to go on dates and I would present this buttoned up perfect self and like, this is why you should love me. And I, you know, I've started a jewelry company and I'm writing a book and I'm da, 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 right? Like those connections would never last. Mm -hmm. When I sit back, let my hair down and be like, you know what? I'm broke as a joke. I've thrown all my (laughs) money into this that gum jewelry company. And, you know, I don't know how we're going to pay for dinner. (laughs) Like those connections have lasted because, you know, it's like, oh, you are real. You are a real human being. So I totally get that, you know, like us being vulnerable and us just being who we authentically are. Yeah. allows for that authentic connection versus this facade trying to interact with your facade of being put together when behind this behind this curtain right yeah. my life's a, a mess <laughs> yeah i i find that vulnerability allows us to see the humanness in each other and yes. a lot of us that's what we're craving and you know you look at like things that are really popular i see see it well at least in in the space that i that i work in is when people are vulnerable and they have big shares around things that they're struggling in in life and their people want that they want more of that and i think this whole manicured um way of approaching and sharing ourselves it's not helpful and i think it's quite toxic actually like if you look at instagram and you look at all the way people are putting their best foot forward and and then you have people, you know, comparing their behind the scenes with everyone else's highlight reels. And it's like, no wonder we all feel inadequate. And, and, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm a firm believer that it's important to share um, what we're going through our insecurities, our fears, um, all of it, it's all important to bring onto the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, for me, I look forward to the day when I can totally detox from social media. Me too. Because for me, I, I notice my own thinking when I see it, it's like, oh my God, he has a nice body. That's not my body. Yeah. yeah. Oh, would I be, you know, would I be loved more if if I look like that or whatever, you know, like nothing wrong with the thought. I'm grateful that I have the presence to be present to the thought and not allow it to continue to run. Yeah. Um, and saying all of that to say, I can see how toxic it is because a lot of times people are presenting a perfect picture but they're very unhappy behind the scenes anyway you know what i mean yeah so you know i want to be in my life present in my life living my life um and taking that whole world out as much as possible yeah me too me too it's so important 
Um, I want to introduce the audience to um, authentic relating. There's five principles in authentic relating that I think are really important. This is a good segue into them. So authentic relating is a practice that I'm trained in. I teach it. I've taken the art of being human training. I'm going to be taking the leadership training probably in February. So it's a really amazing um, school of information to, to uh, acquire in learning how to relate authentically. So it is, it is the teachings of how to move into authentic connection. Um, and there's five principles to the practice. Um, I'll just share a little bit of what the practice is before I talk about the principles. The authentic relating is essentially it's being real and genuine in connection. That's what it is. It's built on the foundation of presence. So it's not about storytelling. We don't enter authentic relating and talk about, oh, what did I do yesterday or who I was as a child or, or what am I going to do next year or who do I want to be in 10 years from now? It's a pure presence and a purely embodied practice. So you sit across from each other and you do exactly what we're doing now where we're talking about and we're owning our experience in this moment. So things like, you know, what is alive for me in this moment? How am I experiencing you sitting across from you right now? How are you experiencing me sitting across from me right now? And, and it pulls us um, away from the past, away from the future and into the present moment, which is why I was very drawn to it, because it's a really beautiful way to, to learn how to be present. It's almost like meditative um, in, in connection. It's like meditating in connection. It's really beautiful. But there's five principles. And the first one is welcome everything. So in authentic relating, you welcome everything onto the table. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be sensations. It can be thoughts. It can be judgments. It can be assumptions. Um, anything like that, it is welcome in the connection. And I think for me, that is the foundation of any authentic connection. It is that everything has to be welcome and be able to be brought on the table. Otherwise, it's not authentic, right? So holding space for everything and anything. Uh, the next one is assume nothing. So we really want to, when, when, when we're authentically relating is we want to check our assumptions in reality. So, um, you know, I don't know you very well, right? And I have a story inside my head that I've created about, you know, who you are and, right, exactly. And I'm sure the same for, for you with me. And the beautiful thing about authentic relating is we're always bringing that to the table. So there's a game you can play in this one principle, which is like the story I'm telling myself about you is. And you just shoot back and forth. Like, this is the story I have made up in my head. And it's quite a humorous thing because I, I'm, I'm nine times out of 10, I'm, I'm always wrong. Like you, we, we, we judge people based off of how they look. And we're like, oh, I have got a story for who I who I think they are in this world. And we make them play characters in our mind. Um, so assume nothing is is about breaking down that barrier. Um, and it is a very big barrier to authentically connecting with people because when we bring stories and preconceived notions of who someone is, it it almost impairs our ability to be able to connect with them authentically because we're projecting the story of who we think they are onto them. And it's it's it can be one of the the barriers to to connecting. Um, principle number three is, is reveal your experience. So this one is about, um, you know, letting, letting the world know, or letting the person you're relating with know, uh, what is going on for you in an unfiltered way. So for example, I just did my second open mic performance and I was completely nervous and I got up there and I owned my nervousness and I shared with the audience that I was nervous and I revealed my in, inner experience um, and it really helped dissipate some of some of the uh, that nervous energy. So that's kind of an example. And then principle number four is related. So it's about owning your experience. So when we reveal our experience, it's important to um, secondarily own it. Like why? What is it? What is going on for me in this experience? Because oftentimes when we reveal something, we we have a tendency when, when especially in conflict to say you or to blame the person like and project onto them and say, you know, you're creating this experience for me. So owning our experience allows us to take responsibility for ourselves instead of projecting our reality onto someone else's screen and being like, this is um, right. So it's, it's, it's really about uh, taking responsibility for ourselves. And then the last one is honor self and other. And I really love this one because Honoring self and other is about, um, well, obviously the first one is making, um, making staying in connection a priority. So when I honor myself and I honor you, I'm saying my, my goal is to maintain this connection is to stay in this connection regardless. So I'm honoring both of us. 
uh, I'm creating a, a space where we can see the humanity in each other when we're honoring both of us. And we make a priority that both of our needs are going to be met, right? So we're both bringing different things into this connection and we have needs and expectations. And when we honor both of us, we maintain that connection and we say, we want to be able to leave this connection with trying our best that both of our needs get met in this connection. So it's a really beautiful practice. I love it. And it's something I've been practicing now for, I think this is my third year going on th three years and I, I teach it in my workshops and stuff. So it's been very transformative for, um, for toxic shame actually is, is what I use it for in my workshops and helping people really reveal who they are when maybe they've been spending a majority of their life hiding uh, because toxic shame has told them that there's something wrong with them and that it's not safe to bring forward their authentic self. Yeah. Really beautiful. Um, yeah, thank you. So, you know, several things, like I was jotting down. So if you saw me- yeah, I saw that. Jotting down things, right? Yeah, or yeah. jotting down those those five principles. And I just, you know, my brain goes back to the, what this book talks about. Yeah. You know, the world of the, the introduction of this book is dedicated to my friend and her queer child. Mm. And so growing up, we knew that this child was probably going to be somewhere along in one of those letters, LGBTQIA plus. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when he became of age, I was like, hey, you need to go ahead and have a conversation with him around his sexuality, mm -hmm. because for some reason, you know, parents, they are like, well, my child is going to come to me. Right. And I'm like, no, go to him and allow him to know that he is loved just as he is. Mm -hmm. And when she did, he was like, oh, my gosh, you know, like, mom, I'm bisexual. I like both. And she was like, OK, I love you. And I had her I had her write him a love letter. Mm. And she actually, as a trailer to the book, she reads this love letter to him for the first time on camera. Right. Mm. And the emotions that come on come about is amazing but you know we we make up these stories in our head about what it's gonna be like when we come out right and I was like you have to free him from that um and so I don't know why I started that story but it just, just oh inside of the world of honoring each other okay yeah, yeah right yeah. um and so I, I love that and when you said welcome all things or how did you language that welcome everything yeah welcome everything yeah. We have when we welcome everything, right? Instead of resist it, when we welcome it, it gives us a, a place to question. Yes. Why did I have this body sensation? Why did I react to that this way? What is it about me that's resisting this? What is it about me that has me accept this? Not from a space that something's wrong, mm -hmm. but from a space of getting to know who you are. Yes. Or how you've been built. Like, you know, like, why am I a perfectionist? Me questioning that had me go back to that moment when I was four years old and how that one moment shaped the rest of my life. Yeah. And when you are able to question everything, you begin to have access to a new way of living life. Yeah. Right? Um. One of the things you also said, owning your experience, right? Yeah. One of the chapters in this book talks about the world of forgiveness mm. and how when we forgive, it actually returns us to our authentic self. And there's this beautiful story about my friend named Marianne who was in a car accident. And I won't tell you all of the story. You have to get the book to read it. But mm -hmm. she was in a car accident. And... One of the things that just had me like shook in my conversation with Marianne, she was like, she forgave the guy. And I'm like, how do you forgive some guy that left you par temporarily paralyzed, ran you off the road? How do you forgive him? And what she said is, I needed all of me to heal. Mm -hmm. And I just started to cry because what I got in that moment was that unforgiveness or being unwilling to own our experience yeah. is like giving a piece of our soul over to someone else yeah. or that situation. And we're no longer whole. We're no longer complete. Yeah. And until that person alters, 
our experience of life doesn't alter. But the moment we can forgive and own our own experience, it leads to a different experience of life. So that's so that's so profound and so beautiful. And, you know, it's it reminds me of just the journey that I'm on around healing trauma in my life. And, you know, needing what was it exactly that you said? I need my I, I need my whole self to heal. That's, he said, I, I needed all of me to I heal. need all of me to heal. And I think a lot of the audience is going to relate to this. Like how often do we hold hostage, whether it's our parents or our exes, right? And we are feel so traumatized or we have all this hurt inside of us and we can't actually move on. And I'm going through this right now. I'm like in this kind of final, like, like final lap of healing trauma that I've been on for like 15 years. And I feel like it's finally coming to a close. And I'm the reason why I know I'm at the final lap is because I'm taking responsibility and I'm no longer holding my parents hostage. I am able to see their humanity. I'm able to practice empathy for them. And I am able to let go of the past hurts. Right. And that's, I think that's one of the final pieces because then that means that I now have my whole self back. I'm no longer fragmented and have parts of me hating or, or hurting in different, in different places. I can bring it all back integrate all the pieces of me that were fragmented and I can come back into wholeness. And I do think that is the journey of healing trauma specifically is coming back into wholeness. Yeah. What a beautiful quote. I love that. You know, it, it, and that was part of me telling my own stories, like in the world of forgiveness, my dad was on drugs and my dad sold things out of our home and all that good old stuff. And my parents ended up getting divorced and what have you. And I tell the story about how I thought I was good with my dad, right? Like I've forgiven him, right? But there was this self-righteous attitude as it relates to his life and what he should and should not be doing as a 50-something-year-old man at the time. And And the story that I tell about him and how I forgave him and the freedom that it gave him access to inside of me forgiving him, Mm -hmm. right? Like I... In the book, there's a there's the only letter that I've ever written my dad in jail when he was in jail because I had refused up until that point. But I wrote him this letter and it was my letter telling him that, you know, I loved all of him Mm -hmm. and I really got that he did the best that he could. Yeah. Right. But I also something that came to me several weeks ago. Was in order to really forgive ourselves, we must first forgive our parents. Because we can't forgive those parts of ourselves that at the, that are at the effect of our parents until we forgive our parents for being who they are. Yeah. So, so you know, so that is access to forgiving ourselves when we forgive, when we forgive them. Yeah. And yes. most people don't don't really get that concept. I didn't get it until three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I think I'm still learning it, and. You know, it's the thing about forgiveness is it's like, it's kind of like confidence or acceptance. Like, it's not just that you don't just arrive to it. It's like, it's a constant practice and I'll have days where I feel forgiveness and I'll have days where I feel hatred. And I I think that, I don't know if there is ever a place where we arrive where it's complete and maybe, I don't know, I, I, I haven't experienced that yet. So I think I still am kind of up, down, up, down, but I do think maybe the ego um, has a hard time forgiving and the soul is is forgiveness the soul is the essence of forgiveness and love and compassion so i think when i'm in my ego i tend to have a hard time forgiving but then when i'm in my softer more tender soul-centered self i tend to be more able to forgive so i I guess that's the duality of the human experience what what uh, program am am i operating from and then i'll let you know if i've forgiven or not yeah i think but that's our humanity and see that's the thing that we try to um, we try to discredit mm-hmm. or, or try to set aside. It's understanding that both can exist. Yeah. See, we try to kill off that unforgiving person such that the forgiving person can live. Yeah. And that unforgiving person says, hell no, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it gets louder. Right? Yeah. It's just like, no, 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 no. <laughs> but the thing is, is honoring the, you know, that this unforgiveness whatever. And most of the time when we've moved on, it's it's situational, right? Like 
I've forgiven my mom and I love my mom and my mom is my biggest cheerleader, what have you. But the other day she said something and she was like, oh my God, you're just like your cousin so-and-so. And I noticed that I wanted to shut down because mm-hmm. it pissed me off. And she used to do that to me when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Then I noticed that, that that's what was happening. And I said, who do you choose to be in this moment? Mm-hmm. Are you going to be that little boy who cowers and just shuts down? Or are you going to be an adult and say, hey, mom, this is what I need. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I called my mom and I said, hey, the other day when you said X, that didn't work for me. And I would prefer that you didn't do that. Good and this is what it did for me. Like I wanted to shut down and I saw myself saying, hey, you know what? If I sound like so-and-so, I don't have to talk to you. Right. Like I said, all of it. Yeah. Good. She was like, wow, I never knew that that would have made you feel that way. I'm sorry. I, I won't do that again. Yeah. So that's how authenticity works. It's like when we honor, like I didn't make myself wrong for feeling that way in that moment. I honored it. And then I chose who I was going to be in this moment. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And mo- nine times out of 10, I think people are operating on programs and they there is no intention there's no malice it's like they're just literally operating in their program and their program bumped up against your program right and it's so we we often think and then we project so when we don't speak up and we're not authentic and we don't set boundaries we're constantly bumping against programs and we're not actually giving people the chance to understand us and to understand their own behavior and the impact their behavior has on us. So yes. then, so that what you're describing is authentic connection. We're moving into a connection where we're willing to be authentic. We're willing to express ourselves, right? Self-expression is a very, very big part of being authentic. In my opinion, we need to learn how to be self-expressive and then we'll, we'll notice that our relationships will transform in such a beautiful way. So it's a good example of what you just shared there. Yeah. But self expression inside of respect and honor like that last part right of what you said honor self and others not self-expression like at the effect of something you know and you the way you described it was beautiful like there are a certain core of my friends my the people that are the closest to me one of the agreements that we have is that we may disagree and we may not see eye to eye but we're committed to each other understanding that we love and honor each other. And let's remain in communication until whatever is meant to arise, arises. Because sometimes you you don't have words for what's upsetting you, yeah, right? True, true. Yeah. So let's remain in communication until what needs to erupt, erupts. Yeah. And let's deal effectively with what erupts. Yeah. But we're doing it from the space of I love you, I honor you, and we're committed to that this relationship thrives. Yeah. And it doesn't thrive on top of BS. It thrives on top of love, commitment and honor. Yeah, that's huge. And I think there's there's an element of emotional maturity that's required to enter authentic connection. And I always say that you you can only hold space for someone's authenticity as much as you're holding space for yourself because it it's it's hard work to let someone be authentic in your presence because be, letting someone be authentic in your presence does it not it's not going to be you. It's going it's not going to be your authenticity. It's going to be them, right? And there's a there's a very very strong amount of emotional maturity that's required to do that because that means that core beliefs core values might bump up against each other you might not share similar beliefs about the world politics these sorts of things and can i still choose to stay in connection with somebody where they're being their authentic self and i'm being my authentic self and we can still allow our separate realities to merge into one relational reality right? Mm -hmm. Where we're coexisting with each other. That's tough work. That's really tough work. And that's why most relationships, whether they're intimate or platonic, aren't successful, right? Tons of friends who stop being friends, tons of people break up, tons of marriages separate and divorce because of, I think, this exact thing we're talking about. There's a lack of emotional maturity and people letting other people be who they are in their presence. Yeah. Yes, totally. And so we have the book talks about relating in relationships and are you operating from ego love, 
egoic love or mm -hmm. from authentic love, yeah, right? Perfect. Yeah, love that. Because most people are in relationship from the world of ego and not from the space of authentic love. Authentic love is for me to, to love you, Matt, just because I love you. Mm -hmm. Not because I want something from you. The moment I want something from you is, is to have a need fulfilled over here, which is from our ego. Mm. Most of the time when, you know, you hear it and you'll see it in partnerships will say, Matt, I love you. And Matt may say, oh, okay. Or that's awesome. And then the person will be like, well, Matt, you didn't say it back to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, did you say, Jamal, did you say I love you because you wanted me to experience your love? Or did you say I love you so you could hear I love you? Yeah, yeah. Two set, two distinct places to operate from. Yeah, true. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so when we go into a relationship from the world of ego or from needing a need fulfilled over here where we are. Yeah. Once that need stops being fulfilled and met, that's when the breakdowns happen. Yeah, exactly. And then we try to go find someone else to fill that need. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or we manipulate. And that's, the, that's manipulate. the difference. So ego loves to manipulate to get its needs met, whereas soul doesn't. Soul soul is, is very serving of other. And so the, the thing for me, because we operate in both domains, the, the thing for me is to honor and be authentic and communicate these relational needs. So if you're saying I love you to me to hear I love you back, I would prefer that you just say, I would love to hear you say I love you right now. Exactly. You know what I mean? So go straight for what you want as opposed to trying to be manipulative and going around the bush to get what you want. And that's that again, that's such a what what principle would that be in the authentic relating principles? It would be reveal your experience. You're wanting to feel loved right? You have a yearning, you have a desire, and you're going about meeting that in a way that is is cunning and manipulative, which is exactly what the ego does to get its, it's very self-serving. The ego is very self-serving. So what a great, what a great thing to point out. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I talk about how, you know, the, this whole new craze over the last maybe five, 10 years of your love language. Mm -hmm. And even in that, most people are like, okay, my love language is gifts. So and what they do is they go out and they buy their partner lots of lots of gifts. <laughs> and then they're like, but I buy you gifts, Matt. Well, why don't you buy me gifts? Why don't you buy me gifts? <laughs> and they're like, uh, okay. But they have not really done the work to say, well, Matt, what's your love language? Oh, it's yeah. quality time. Oh, yeah. well, I'm going to plan a nice picnic in the park for us, Matt. Yeah. Right? And then, oh, Matt, my love language is gifts. I love when you buy me flowers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and like you said, it's it's really that whole world of communicating yeah. what our needs are. Yeah, exactly. That's I think that was where it transitions from reveal your experience into own your experience. Like, and and but a lot of people struggle with that because I think a lot of people have injuries around having needs. Like it's shameful to have needs. It's bad to have needs. I don't want to be needy. I don't want to be desperate. I don't want to be um, bossy or demanding. There's so much shadow shit around having needs that people buy into. And I think it's sexy. I think it's really sexy when somebody knows what they need and they ask for it in a very clear and direct manner. Right. And I think we need to make that more sexy. And I think people need to be more communicative about, about their needs because uh, it's, the fabric of of relational dynamic and authentic uh, connection is understanding your needs and communicating them so they can be met it's essential yeah but I, that it, i agree 100% matt and the only thing that i'll add to that is just as the world of me being per perfectionist until discovered was stuck at 4 years old mm -hmm. Most of the time, our communication patterns are stuck Yeah. at the time we had whatever trauma that was. Yeah. So whatever that trauma was, right, like at five or six, where I have to manipulate to get what I want. I have to tell a lie to get what I want. I have to go around the mulberry bush to get what I want totally. from my mom or my dad. Our world of communication is stuck right there. 
Mm-hmm. And until we really get that and we begin to distinguish, do the work, whatever work that is, yeah, to distinguish where our communication patterns are stuck, that's the outcome. Yeah. Yeah. And it reminds me of like just so many, if you think about it, when we're young and we have needs and we want something and our parents deny us or they shame us, like you shouldn't have that. I don't, I don't have money for, to buy you that. And we get shamed for having needs and desires. I think that's where it comes from. So yeah, you're right. People, people go around the mulberry bush trying to be deceitful and trying to find ways to get their needs met. So yeah, that's when I think about entering an authentic connection and specifically romantic, I'm like, that's number one priority. Like if, if my partner doesn't know how to communicate their needs, like it ain't going to work because I'm very assertive and I'm very about like, you know, I'll go straight over the bush and I'll be like, this is exactly what I need. Right. And, uh, so it's it's key. It's key to authentic connection, in my opinion. Yeah, totally, mm-hmm. totally. You know, it, it was very interesting, and I'm gonna tell the story. Like even today, like over the last weekend, I met this guy. Right, this morning I'm walking into the grocery store, and I he's walking out of this gym that's catacorner to the grocery store, and he's like, "Hey, how are you? I wanted your phone number that you know this weekend, but you left." Blah blah. blah. I'm like, "Okay, cool. You can have my phone number. Whatever." Right. Like a and romantic so, kind of connection? Yes, I guess. But I'll tell you. So <laughs> so when I get in the grocery store, I'm sh- doing my shopping. By the time I get to my car, he was like, hey, it was really great to see you. I would love to hang out sometime. Ooh. So when someone leads in with, I would love to hang out sometime, my question then was, well, what does hang out mean to you? Yeah. Then he says, well, I would like to invite you back to my place. Okay, so what did you have in mind when I came to your place? <laughs> this, you know, you making dinner, we watching TV. What do you have in mind? Yeah. He's like, oh, you know, I'm interested in you physically. Well, thank you for saying that, but I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in more meaningful connections and we can be friends and we can have dinner in public. Yeah, yeah. Does that work for you, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah but yeah. it's like this whole world of being... um. I guess the word I want to use is covert or yeah. like, oh, I just want to hang out. No, sir. What does hanging out mean? Right. It like feels sneaky. It feels sneaky right. and yucky in my opinion. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you can tell me, Hey, I just want to have sex with you. Yeah. I can be either a yes or a no. Yeah. Right. Or whatever that is. But it goes to, like I said, most people's communication levels are stuck and they think that they have to do this dance. I've been in the world 41 years and I know what those little, text mean like i want you to my place no sir <laughs> <laughs> yeah or or can i do you want to do you want to get together and cuddle tonight and it's like the second they start spooning it's like they go grab your dick it's like okay just just say you want to bang like don't right. don't come in you know like with this yeah it's very misleading i i find that i'm I, i'm not down for that sort of thing yeah i'm like, like you mad. i'm jumping over the bush like <laughs> yeah. no sir <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> what do yeah. you want from me <laughs> yeah uh that's so good Uh, but i think you know but and i it and we i make it like a joke but when we begin to honor ourselves and honor our own needs and mm -hmm. our own wants we find ourselves not in situations that we don't want to be in yeah right like many years ago i would have been like oh well he just wants me to come over he just wants to hang out yeah right knowing in the back of my because the intuitive self is always talking right knowing good and dead gum well this dude has certain intentions right yeah. and yeah. then you get over there like oh i'm shocked <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but it's something oh our experience of life when we begin to honor ourselves yeah. our needs and our wants yeah it's it's when I did it, like when the conversation was complete and I honored myself, mm-hmm. it was just so sweet to even celebrate that moment of honoring myself and my needs. Yeah. Th- that is empowerment for me. Like when, if someone were to say, what does empowerment mean to you? That's what it would mean to me. It would mean that I understand my needs and I feel strong enough to be able to advocate for myself and to stand in my power around getting my needs met it's huge. It's so huge. Yeah. And nothing feels better than empowerment. In my opinion, I just love that feeling of being empowered 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's what authentic connections do for me. You know, I think about like, what do I love about authentic connections? They, they allow me to step into my power. They allow me to have deep connection. They allow me to feel seen and to see, right. There's nothing more intimate than bearing witness to somebody when they're in their authenticity and being vulnerable about, uh, about themselves. And um, I think that too, like just expressing our, our needs for me, at least expressing my needs can be a very vulnerable thing because uh, what can happen, uh, at least, you know, to my, uh, my traumatized younger self, it's like, as soon as you express a need, there's a possibility for rejection. There's a possibility for a no, there's a possibility for somebody um, taking advantage of that need and exploiting it. So it puts, it's, it's very vulnerable for me to, to express what I want and what I need to people. Yeah, to totally. And, you know, even in that, right? Like expressing my need. One of the things that I've taken on, this is not the truth. And I even start my book by my book is not the truth, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's the beginning of an exploration of something. So what I'm saying yeah. is not the truth, but what I have taken on is going for it. And if someone is a no, then they, it was meant to be a no beyond my knowing yeah like there's a reason they are a no and it's okay that they're a no yeah and so like taking on life and dating and all of that stuff inside of that mm -hmm. like I don't know why they were a no and I'm happy that they were a no because there's something that universe saw down the road that had them be a no and that's continuing to protect me yeah exactly that's how I consciously navigate rejection, actually, believe it or not. When I experience rejection, I'm like, my ego self has a desire. Somebody is in their soul self, their higher self, and they can see what I can't see right now. Because my ego, I'm 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 blinded by desire. Mm -hmm. Right. If I were to fall into my higher self, into my soul self, I would see that there's misalignment here. And the other person just beat me to that punch. You know what I mean? And that's how I consciously navigate rejection. And it's you know, it's been very helpful for me because it's less about making it about me and making it about just alignment in general, right? It's just, a, it's rejection is just someone beat you to feeling misaligned. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Matt, we can hang out anytime. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious for you though, what would you say is the most challenging thing about authentic connection for you? The most challenging thing about authentic connection to me is the ability to be present and what I mean by that like I have the ability and I probably have more ability than most yeah but just like every other human being I get sucked away yeah right and by my my own feelings desires wants all of that stuff mm -hmm. and when that happens not making myself wrong for it yeah yeah. Just honoring it as a human being, being human experience. And it's simply that and getting back into alignment with what I'm committed to. Mm. So I think that that's one, of, that's one of the biggest things for me and most human beings is we have something we're committed to, but we make ourselves so wrong when we get misaligned with what yeah. we're committed to versus just saying, oh, I'm no longer aligned with what I'm committed to and getting back on track. We go down this rabbit hole of making ourselves wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely relate to that. <clears throat> I think, you know, when I think about the most challenging thing for me, I would say it's probably related to hurting people. Like, I just really have always struggled with that. Like whether it's rejecting people or, speaking my truth and my truth being that I'm not in alignment to somebody or I want to, you know, whatever it might be. So I, I tend to have most of my life, I've misused my empathy. I'm a pretty empathic person and I've misused it because I would trump my needs over theirs. Cause I'd be like, Oh, well, if, if I honor my truth here, I'll hurt them. So I will self-sacrifice. I'll betray myself and I'll do what I think is best for them. And then, so I bled my power out most of my life by doing that. And um, you know, I'm, I've stopped doing that over the course of the last few years and actually believe it or not, authentic relating was what really helped me with this. 
and now I'm I'm very convicted in my truth and and my my needs and um I've hurt a lot of people by being that that way and when I say hurt it's not intentional but it was me choosing to be in my truth and it hurt somebody right so I do think we're always hurting people um when we are being authentic and we're we're choosing to honor ourselves but we I think what I'm learning now in my life is how to do it with a little bit more tact maybe like before when I was you know going from this place of feeling very um concerned about hurting other people I had to transition away from that with almost like a shadow energy and like a fire inside of me and I think I was setting my boundaries and 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 creating space around me with a little less tact and I'm getting better at it so I'm using a lot more kindness and tact in the way that I'm delivering my my nose or my misalignments with people and uh, and it's helping but at the end of the day people are still left hurt so it's something I do struggle with and I'm still working through yeah. yeah. You know, my book talks about, um, you know, when I forgave my dad who was on drugs and all of this stuff. Right. And it talks about just that, how, you know, just because I forgave him doesn't mean that I sacrificed myself. Yeah. Right. Like my dad couldn't have come and lived with me being on drugs. And, you know, and I talk about how we often sacrifice ourselves for the love of another or we withhold our love from another to protect ourselves mm-hmm. and we have to begin to find that balance now yeah. when i began to talk about those misalignments right and honor myself i actually tell the person i'm committed that you feel a certain way right like i'm committed that you feel honored just because I'm a no doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. Yeah, It just means that we're on two different paths or it doesn't work. Like even in the conversation today, mm-hmm. right? With the guy in the text message, you know, like one of my responses could have been, who the hell do you think I am? Yeah. You know, like I'm not some booty call and I'm not this and I'm not that who like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, oh, I got what you're committed to. This is what I'm committed to. They're not aligned. And here's what we can do. Yeah, exactly. Right? You know, and if that doesn't work for you, that's fine. But here's what I'm willing to do. You know, we can meet in public. We can have a dinner, lunch, whatever. That's fine with me. And, you know, we can begin, and we I call it, shaping their listening. Mm. So before I speak, I'm going to tell you exactly, Matt, like I'm committed that at the end of this conversation, that you're left empowered or you're left honored for how you feel and what you want. And this is what I need for me. And this is, you know, like I'm willing to hear how you feel. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um. So it's, it's about shaping how they listen it. Now it doesn't always work and people are people and they deal with what they deal with. Yeah. Um. And what I see in that is that I just, I know my own heart. And if I'm settled with that, my heart, my intention, the intention in my heart was that they were left whole and complete. Mm-hmm. And if they weren't, it had nothing to do with me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that falls into the, the principles of honor, self and other. It sounds like you're doing a really good job with that. Yeah. Um, it's I can't believe it's been an hour. This has been the fastest podcast I think I've ever done. It just blew. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, it feels like it's been 15 minutes. It's crazy. Uh, but I want to wrap up with the last question. I think we, we, we answered the other questions in, in a, in a nice, uh, way of riffing. So that's beautiful how they were answered spontaneously. But what the last question is, what can people do to have more authentic connection in their lives? Like if you were to leave the listener viewer with a couple tips that you've used to help you really get good at moving into authentic connection, what would it be? <clears throat> I would say the most important thing you can do, two things. First, get a pen and paper Mm -hmm. and write down where you're spending your time, Mm -hmm. right? Like, what are you giving your time and energy to? Then write down, what are you committed to in your life? Like, what do you want? Like, I don't care if it's in relationship, your legacy in the world. What do you want from the living of your life? Exactly. I love that. Yeah. And then begin to, and not from a space of something's wrong. 
but just from a space to observe. If this is what I'm giving my time to, and this is what I'm committed to having, how can I give more time to this than I'm giving to this, right? And that's living a more authentic life when you get present to what you're actually committed to in life. Yeah. And you start taking actions consistent with what you're committed to having, even if it's just a one action or a small action or just telling a friend, hey, you know, I'm committed that, you know, I get in shape. How can you support me? You want to go to the gym with me? Yeah. It's one small action, but that's aligning with who you are more authentically mm-hmm. than what you're actually doing. So, yeah. yeah, those are great. I love those. It's like, you know, getting clear about our values, I think too, like I pick up that from what you're sharing, like get clear about what you value and what you need and start to start to lead with those. I think the clarity is is important. Um, I wrote down five principles or practices, I should call them five practices of, um, authentic connection. And I think I I just want to share them. So the first one is presence. You can't, you can't do this work without presence. It's so key. So presence is the foundation of it. Communication, learn how to communicate, right? Learn how to communicate your needs, learn how to, um, learn about body language and, and verbal, nonverbal and verbal communication. So this is, this is key. Um, vulnerability is essential in authentic connection. So if that's something that you struggle with, practice it, practice being vulnerable more and sharing with people that you feel safe with. Um, and then the last two are curiosity and empathy. And I just think that, uh, authentic connection requires us to lead with curiosity, to take an interest. Um, and that's, I think that's, that's, that's a lot of actually, when I think about authentic relating and what I'm doing is I'm constantly leading with my curiosity and it keeps us out of the, out of the uh, territory of making assumptions, right? When we lead with curiosity, we're, we're inquiring, we're asking questions. So we're actually moving away from that assumptions is jumping to conclusions. Whereas curiosity is, is leading with uh, uh, questioning and inquiry. So um I think those are important. And I want to actually shout out to, we have a course in the Gay Men's Brotherhood called Building Better Relationships. And this would be for people that want to get good at authentic connection and vulnerability um, and learn more about authentic relating. That would be a, gr- a really good course for that. Um, and that that's at, uh, if you go to gaymensbrotherhood.com and under courses, you'll see uh, the Building Better Relationships course. I just wanted to give a shout out to that because I thought it would be perfect for this episode. Yeah. Awesome. You know, Really quickly, Matt, the world mm-hmm. of curiosity mm-hmm. also has us not be stuck with life the way it is. Yes, exactly. The moment we stop being curious about life and living is the moment we're stuck with the way it is. Yeah. Curiosity has us continue to explore the living of life. Yeah. It makes it vibrant like a child. A child does not, you know, like they play with a box and it's like, oh, it's a fire truck. And then the same box is a, you know, a, a rocket ship. But as we get old, we older, we stop playing in life that way. And we stop being that kind of curious. It's yeah. like, no, it's a box. And that's <laughs> all it is. Yeah. And we live life from that way versus this yeah. whole world of curiosity. And when we are curious, we never know what we'll discover. Yes. Oh, that's so good. So good. Yeah. And you know, how can we return to that? How can we return to that? Because I've experienced that as imagination and playfulness. Do you know what I mean? And that that is this this very um, childlike energy that is the embodiment of curiosity. I do agree. But how can we return to that? What's one thing you could share to help people return to that? You have to find communities of people and individuals who share that kind of life and living. Mm -hmm. It only happens, Matt, in community. Because when we're stuck or when we're by ourselves, it's easy to go back into the way life has been. Yeah, the programming. The programming. I've been in personal growth and development work for the last 12 years. Mm -hmm. I teach personal growth and development stuff, right? And by myself, I'm right back in it. I can sit at this desk and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm suffering and I got to do life by myself and all this stuff, right? And that is so inconsistent with the way my life is. I have communities of people who are there to support me and love me and whatever. Yeah. But by myself, 
goes right back to the programming. Yeah. Community and finding communities of people who play in that domain is important. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. I can't wait to host the first uh, retreat for the Gay Men's Brotherhood where we can play and experience and, and come into connection with each other. So I'm excited for that day to arrive. <laughs> Well, it's been a slice, honestly. I'm, I'm, uh, I've really enjoyed conversing with you and learning from your wisdom and sharing and being seen by you and all the things. So, thank you for uh, coming and spending an hour with us. And uh, for people that want to check out your book, they can go to um, what was it here? My www.myauthenticbook.com. Yes, myauthenticbook.com or my authentic book on Instagram. So, yes. Hey, I'll make sure that's all in the show notes. And uh, yeah, um, thank you to the listener viewer for tuning into yet another episode. God, we're at like 140 now or something like that. It's We're, we're getting up there, so it's great. Um, and yeah, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, please leave, uh, leave a comment. Uh, and if you have a question for either Jamal or myself, please leave it in the comments. We'll make sure that we, we see it and tend to it. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, and you liked what you heard today, please leave us a five-star rating because it helps us get into the ears of people. That's what we want. We want to spread the word here. So, all right. Much love to everybody. Much love to you, Jamal. Thanks again. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.